0: Six Pack at This is the Women's Recap Show. And we got Amelia Potter, Joe Whiteley, Sophia Ellis. You guys were all at the event. Um, you, you got intimate knowledge about the whole thing. You'll have a, a whole different perspective on it. And hopefully you guys have had the chance to watch some of the live stream to, to rally it back. But I want to get your impressions of it because you guys were all there. You guys have all seen the first one. Joe, what was your impression? How would you compare this to the first Sheffield?
1: It was bigger. Essentially, the the screens were bigger, the audience was bigger, the performances were bigger. Everything was just scaled up from the first year. The first year, we didn't really know how it was going to work. We were we thought it'd be amazing, but you never know until you're there. You never know until uh, you're actually experiencing it. And that first year, the energy of the crowd, even as they filtered into the theater was just incredible and they were just as noisy and energetic as they were uh, the first
0: yeah, year. It, yeah, it, uh, I agree. The first time was it was weird because we didn't know what to expect. And as it's happening, the impression of the first, because we've never seen anything like it. So that is like special because you'll always remember when it first happened to you and you're like, oh my god, this is like nothing we've ever experienced before. They changed the game. Second year, they have to level up because that's gone. You can't relive the first It's gone. You now you have expectations as opposed to as it's unraveling. Oh my God, is this crazy? I can't believe it. Now you believe it. You've already experienced it. It has to level up 100%. It did level up pretty much in every single way. Um, Amelia, you were doing a a part of the leveling up was the interviews and, and they brought you and Taylor on the team. What was your impressions of the, the production interviews and the whole event as a whole?
2: Yeah like you said everything was stepped up and they started like adding new elements like you said the interviews was one of them and I'm going to start by saying it really takes like not just like a village but a literal whole city to kind of get Sheffield done. There are so many people behind the scenes that you know made it what it is Um, but kind of seeing the progression from last year which was already incredible and you know, having these extra elements, the interviews, letting the viewer see a bit more about like the personality of each of the lifters as well, rather than just, you know, what incredible lifters they are. Um, Yeah, it was, it was magical and it was incredible to be a part of it this time um, and being able to kind of still spectate. It was, you know, electric and for those watching the live stream, the live stream is an excellent quality, but it's so hard to describe the the energy and the atmosphere that's actually in that room because you know people are like oh what was it like you know actually being there it's like I think it was Evie last year who said um oh it's like a rock concert or something like that Mm. it really is like that that buzz you know everybody's excited to be there it's this huge obviously common interest of a relatively you know still quite niche sport and everybody in there is 100% there for it which it is, it's just incredible, like a real, real buzz when they're um, and they did a good job of this last year. And again, leveled up this year right at the beginning before the lifting starts. And it like goes up with the lifter like, you know, Evie Corrigan, oof, like Britney Slater, oof. And like the floor shakes every time a new lifter's name goes mm-hmm. up. It's, you know, it, it was really, really electric. And you can tell that they've been thinking about Sheffield 2024 since Sheffield 2023. Next day. I think we all have. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking about Sheffield 25, already. <laughs> I,
0: I'm, I'm thinking about I'm a heading, I'm thinking about Sheffield 2030. Let's do this game. Let's do- <laughs> I'm already preparing my impromptu comments I'm gonna use on the stream. Um it was hilarious. I don't I don't know if you were there and caught it when in one of the interviews our boy Gavin dropped an F bomb. Nice. Yeah, Nicely done. Nicely done, Gavin. <laughs> it was what a guy. What a guy. That's live. That's live stream. Um, things like that pop up also I remember having a conversation with Gavin and you were saying it's like a rock concert and I'm like Gavin there are full fledged rock bands that would die to have a venue like Sheffield a crowd like Sheffield to be on tour and have people fly in over 2000 just sold out we were sold out last year by the way to have that many people fly in and perform like this like these, these women and men are like rock stars now like the experience they have 100 percent the stream is fantastic but um like and like like watching a rock concert you can't describe what it's like to actually be there you can watch a youtube video of your favorite guitarist or whatever and be like oh my god that was magical but imagine you're there live and they're like 10 15 feet in front of you and they're doing that you can't fully describe and it's it happened again and it level up again Sophia, what do you think
3: yeah, like just what you were saying. That like I actually went to a concert recently, and there was more people at Sheffield than there was yeah. at this concert. Yeah, and it's just like it's crazy when you compare it like that. Um, yeah, it's, it was great to be again behind the scenes again this year, and it comparing it as like someone who's working behind like it all going on. Um, it went so much smoother this time around it was a lot less stress <laughs> uh we had way more way more hands like way more people helping which just made such a difference like the little things that kind of are happening last minute just having those extra bodies make honestly a wild difference instead of us like running up and down the stairs like chaotically um and i think like even from the athlete's perspective they probably felt that as well that it just ran a bit smoother um obviously looking at it as from an audience side it probably went amazingly the same um but yeah it, it made a big difference having those extra bodies and like I managed to nip out the front just a few times I uh, managed to uh, catch with uh, Amelia and uh it was insane like the people were on their feet people it was and even then watching the live stream I watched it back and even when Joe was like I can't even see because everyone's on their feet <laughs> and uh you couldn't just you could just feel the energy even coming through the live stream, uh, which was really great. Um, and I'm sure like there's going to be more things and bigger things that are coming next year. Um, but the scale of it is just like already insane, but you know, that there can be so much more as well. Um, so it's super exciting. And uh, even just catching up with the athletes afterwards, like they absolutely loved it. Um, and it's just such an experience for everybody.
0: What everyone's watching to your point behind the curtain, how much work, how many teams, how many people are running around to get this beautiful production just to go off seamlessly. It, it appears seamlessly in it. I mean, it, it was flowing, but there's so much organization running around different teams and whatnot. And it definitely would because we'd never as a sport done anything like this before. So I'm sure the first one felt stressful as as it's going. Because you, you, <laughs> you, we've never done this as a sport. So everybody's yeah. like, oh my God, now at least when you've got a taste of it and you know what to expect, you're like, all right, We're, it's, it gets easier and easier. And you can start adding more and more elements, you know, talking to Pete Spence and he was like, you want to grow, but you don't want to grow, add too much too quickly because then you get caught in that trap. We're like, wow, we mm-hmm. spread ourselves too thin. And that's where our shoes drop. They're very careful, you know, very, very. And, and the planning starts immediately for the next year and and they're making the proper steps because you can be overly ambitious and speaking about next year what are you guys thinking about i ran into ben banks uh, at breakfast the next day breakfast so we it ended at night and that night they said tickets available by breakfast the next morning ben's like hey 20 percent sold i'm like what I and think it might
1: have been on the Monday, Ryan, because the tickets went on sale at 6 p.m. on the Sunday. Okay, so then that it was, was Sunday. On, yeah, yeah. On,
0: on, it overnight was night Sunday. of the banquet. Thank you. Yeah, it was night of the banquet then. Yeah. And then um, that week, 50% sold. Already, same week, 50% sold. By the time we might sell out, I said this on the men's recap preview show from yesterday. I can't picture a UFC or boxing card where they have these cards and they sell. You will never sell out a UFC without saying who's fighting. Uh, there's just UFC coming to town. Say less; it sells out, and you don't even tell the roster. We might sell out Sheffield without even knowing the roster. That's Sheffield has become an event like that where it doesn't matter who's even there to to compete. You know I'm they're going to be there, the best
1: lifters, right? It's going to be the best lifters. So,
0: and, and the, the, the key
1: thing. The key thing, I think I looked at the ticket sales yesterday and the good seats are going fast. So that front row on the first level, they're all gone. Most of that center block, they're mostly gone. If you want a good seat, you're going to have to be fast because yeah. people have got in really early and they've, there's a little block on one corner that hangs over the, um, uh, the stage where you can see the lifters coming out and they're gone. People have been really strategic in booking out blocks with their friends. So even though there is still quite a lot of tickets left, if you want to choose where you sit, you're going to have to do it now.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's a call to action. Everybody's got to hurry. And it makes me wonder exactly where we're going to end up with Sheffield. When we're selling out this quickly, we're outgrowing this venue. We need to go bigger and bigger. Sheffield in five years, what are we talking about here? How many thousands of people will be at this live event? And it's an event. I use the term event. It's not just a sporting competition anymore. This is an event. And how robust might it be in terms of athlete interaction and what more might they add as the years go by? I don't know, but this is this is the beginning of something something special.
2: Yeah. And if we were to think about that in like a different context, you're saying it's selling out without knowing who the athletes are. If you think about something like a, a music festival or something like that, you, you always wait to see who the the bands are. You always see who the artists are because you go to see specific music, specific people. But to show, it just shows how many people just want to see excellence. You know, the sport at its best. um And like Joe said, it, you know it's going to be the the best twenty four lifters in the world at that given time. Um, and it just shows, you know, that Sheffield is excellence and there is that expectancy for it to be excellent and I think they've continued to live up to that.
3: Yeah, well, I think like
2: In only sorry, two
3: years like, sorry, they've already built like a massive reputation only in two years doing it, like as you said, like with music festivals, I mean like I bought a ticket to Reading without knowing who's going but I already know that like they're the kind of music that I like, that they tend to bring in good artists and they've got that reputation for bringing in good artists and but that festival's been going for years and years and years. Whereas like, yeah, SBD Sheffield's only two years and already we're selling out tickets and it's already built that reputation. Um, it's just insane, like insane.
1: But great. Of course we had uh, <laughs> we had those three years when it was planned in 2020 didn't happen in 2020. Yeah. So we did have a slow, long build buildup for, for three years before the first event actually happened. It was hard to understand at the time whether you could possibly live up to that much hype because we've been talking about it for three years that so much had gone on. And I was a little bit concerned that there's no way any event can live up to this, but it absolutely did.
0: Yeah, and it also proves, you know, sometimes we talk, there's so many social media influencers and lifters become so influential themselves. And we talk like, well, if this person joins this Fed or this person joins that event or whatever, game changer. Sheffield is so big no single one lifter is going to make or break. It is too big. It is a giant. It doesn't, it is going to sell out regardless. It is going to be gangbusters on views regardless. It, the branding of Sheffield is that high now that it's uh, it's bigger than any one entity. And, um, and that means it's going to be strong and healthy and, and continue to grow. So that's, that's a good thing to not have to hinge on other variables. Like, we're going to sell if we have this guy or that girl or oh, I think we'll we're good. It's already it's going to sell out before anything solidified. That's strong branding and that also is a clear indication that everybody was pleased with what they've experienced watching online uh, watching in, in live like that's that's the biggest review you can get it's, it's the same week 50% it's done. Um, now having said all that, Joey, we, we got some stats. You were the yeah, stats I mean- Stats what, a great, what a great competition for statistics.
1: I mean, we know that the 11 of the 12 women broke the total world record. So they all gave their best performance on the day. But you've probably already seen this, Ryan, because I know that you check Open IPF a lot. But if you go to Open IPF now and filter on women, on GL points, the top 11 performances of all time were done at Sheffield. Now, how is oh, that for great value? People that bought a ticket for Sheffield, they went there and they saw the 11 greatest performances. I mean, on GL points, so you can have a discussion about how much you value GL points. Um, if you look at it on dots, it's the top eight dots of all time in the IPF. Um, and we, we get a bit of criticism in the IPF for being quite IPF centric, but it's hard to compare with all time records when it's untested, it's uh, in a monolift, it's knee wraps, it's on a squat bar, it's on a deadlift bar. It's so hard to compare across all those variables that really, um, you know, it's it's kind of its own ecosystem. You know, we don't think that there's no other powerlifting out there, but to try and cross compare across those categories is really difficult. But in the IPF on GL points, the top 11 performances of all time, not only that, the top squat, the biggest squats that we've ever seen in the IPF, classic. Uh, I think we had the third biggest bench, the third biggest deadlift, the biggest total that we've ever seen from a raw woman. That's that's some good value for the price for Sheffield ticket.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to be a little biased here, but as the IPF goes, the sport's going right now. I mean, this is, and Sheffield's a massive part of it. Um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, thanks for the stats, Joe. Let's get into it. Talking about Agatha. Agatha won Sheffield, lived up to the hype, tons of hype on Agatha, probably the favorite to do so. Her total crossing 600 kilos as a 69 is crazy. When Carlina did this not long ago as a 76, that was huge. Now Agatha's doing it as a 69. Joe, what did we learn about Agatha Shitko and how special a talent she is at Sheffield?
1: I think she finally manifested what we all knew was there. We knew how strong she was. We know how great her technique is, how great her focus is, how great her work ethic is. But she's been inconsistent. But she's young. She's young and she's quite young in the sport as well. She did her first international in 21. I commentated on her at World Juniors in in 21 as well. She went on to win in Stavanger, the World Open. And she's just been ascendant from there. But this is the first time she's ever really put it all together and done what she's capable of. Um, yeah, and in the 69 kilo class as well. Now, what I'm interested in is she said she's going to do World Classic in the 76s and she's going to do World Equit in the 84s. Could she win three major IPF events in three different weight classes in one year? I mean, I, we're not even talking about a special talent at that point, are we? We're talking about the lifter of a generation. That can She's top of the IPF rankings classic on GL points. She's top of the IPF rankings uh, equipped on GL points. And that's not just amongst the women of any lifter that we've ever seen. I'd, I've run out of superlatives to talk about Agatha Schickup.
0: What question for you ladies? Let me open it up to the table. Agatha obviously won Sheffield as a 69, but hasn't won a world title as a 69. She's 21 years old for perspective. Would you encourage her to stay 69 for a world championship to grab a world title there? Or would you back up her initial at least response of i want to move up to 76 and i want to battle carlina because obviously they're very close and she did 600 a week class down she feels as though there's a level of revenge she wants to take and some unfinished business i let's let's hop around the table Sophia. what direction would you tell her to go
3: like i understand why she wants to go 76 because i think she's got like unfinished business there with in terms of of missing out on body weight um in south africa to jess um so and i can totally see her honestly like winning every weight class at this point <laughs> and whatever she puts her mind to she'll probably go and do it um i do i was actually having a conversation with i think it was amanda lawrence um after sheffield about it and we were saying how we actually think her being in the 69 gives her better leverages you can try, just kind of see like especially with her deadlifts it just seems to look a little bit smoother as a 69. Um, but if she can obviously carry this in, into the 76s, who knows? Um, I'd probably say, like, like if I was her, I'd probably do it as a 69 and then jump into the 76s and just take every weight loss that I could. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's her world at the end of the day at this point. So <laughs> she can choose what she wants to go to. Um, obviously, as a 76, like... Um, yeah, it would be nice if she stayed in 69s, but...
0: <laughs> but. I mean, no. it's a world, um, it's a world games year. You don't need someone else on yeah, the podium.
3: This, this is it. Um uh, but no, I can, like, I can fully see her. Yeah, absolutely crushing the 76s. And it, to be honest, like, I'd also like to see it as well. I'd like to see her and Carlina go head to head. Um, that'd be pretty cool. So from my perspective, I think, like, Either one she would absolutely crush anyway. Um, but again, if she was going to go in 76s, it would be really interesting with the 69s to see that battle again with Leah and Carola because it was very close, even at Sheffield. And had Carola maybe done a slightly lower deadlift, and then it would have pushed Leah to have to pull even more. So, um, yeah, I can't say which one I think she should go into, but I think whatever she does 2 she'll absolutely crush it.
0: You are gonna be in her DMs. And be like, "You look, you look shredded. You look amazing. You move so well as a sixty-nine, the levers, everything. You are piling it on." And she's like, "I got you. All right, relax. Yeah. It's world games here. I understand." Amelia, what are your thoughts? Right,
2: go sixty-nine was <laughs> like good riddance. Stay <laughs> down there. Um, yeah, I think I think, like like you said, she's she's twenty-one. You know, she we've seen her flexibility between the 84s and the 76s you know, from what she said about cutting into Sheffield, she she didn't actually have too much of a hard time with it. Um, you know, she said that she wasn't really hungry until the last couple of weeks of her cut, which, you know, we know for a lot of lifters isn't, isn't necessarily the case. Um, and so I think knowing, her now knowing, okay, actually getting down to the 69s isn't as much of a challenge as I thought. She probably feels like she has the freedom to go, okay, what do I want next though? And I think in her mind's eye, like she said, there's unfinished business. And now I want to go back up to the 76s, you know, take this strength with me, maybe add more with some more body weight and, you know, collect another medal uh, for my, you know, pantry or whatever. That's where food goes. But, you know, maybe that's where she keeps it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think she has the freedom based on how well she's doing right now. To kind of go wherever she wants um you know she's a phenomenal talent and I think you know she she just loves competing she loves lifting and that's really evident um I went into the hotel gym the next morning quite early the next morning and she was benching uh the day after Sheffield so she can she can do whatever she wants and I think she'll do pretty well and I think it's a case of a lot of people heading into Sheffield this year was were saying, uh, if Agatha can put together a day or like if she can go for nine for nine, and you know, now we've seen that she can, maybe that's the start of, you know, a whole new world there for her.
0: We were talking to her the night of Sheffield. Like it's one of those hotel lobby nights, stayed up to like 4:30 in the morning. And she said at one point she was doing six sbd days a week now she changed that for sheffield and and it got better she was probably overtraining but just in terms of her ability her work ethic her discipline her ability to recover six sbd days a week and she's 21 21 years old joe what do you think what weight class would you advise
1: 76 76 every time she's young eat grow get stronger she's got so much potential to move a lot of weight that I understand that it's less competitive if you go down a weight class, but she is on a road to being one of the best lifters we've ever seen. And I think for that, you need to commit to it, commit to grow, get bigger. I know she's got big ambitions uh, on the equipped side anyway, for the amount of weight that she wants to move. And she's going to need a little bit of, of weight on a frame to uh, eg, squat three hundred kilos. equipped. So I think eat, grow, get bigger every time. But I'm a so super I, heavyweight, I, <laughs> so I, that's always
0: going to so, be my advice. Jokingly, she actually said, "At some point, she's going to give a go at eighty-four plus, just the, like just to see, just to whatever, see what happens." She'll probably take a bench world record. Let's let's not kid ourselves. It's great. She's already got three in three different weight classes. Yeah, I would say if I was advising her, I would say hold on to 69 for a few more months, do the world championship, win the world title, because taking off the weight again is going to be difficult as she gets older. She's going to pack on more and more muscle mass. And I think as time goes, that door will just close and she'll never go back down. So she can maintain now. It's the only opportunity to pick up that world title. Then next Sheffield, in as a 76, almost like this Sheffield is a preview for Worlds for her. Next Sheffield, if she defeats Carlina head-to-head or whoever wins 76s, it'll be a preview. Okay, now I'm back at 76. Go for that world title. Then she's got two two weight classes. Ladies, we haven't seen somebody win three titles and three weight classes in the Classic. That would set her up for all-time goatness, if that's a term, and possibly say, all right, now, because she's talked about moving back to 84. For real, move to 84. Oh, my gosh. But... Once she leaves 69, I don't think she's ever coming back because the muscle mass is at 21. It's going to continue to grow. However, I can be talked into either one of them. I can get greedy and want my Carlina showdown now. And if they said you're going to get Carlina versus her now at Worlds, I'm not upset with that. Um, obviously, Carlina did 610.5 uh, and Agatha did 600, a weight class below, and Agatha, she's motivated. And she wants showdowns. And I asked her, don't you want a world title? She's like, I want a show. I want a clash. I want showdowns. I want revenge. She's she's a warrior. Um, so let's let's move along to Leah Bavois. Amelia, Leah Bavois, 585. It's crazy because 585 is what Agatha and, and Jess were doing in 2022 with 76s. Now we have 69s hitting these kind of totals. Leah Bavois had an amazing performance. Total went sky high couldn't keep up with Agatha at 600. But what do you glean from that performance at 585? What does this mean for her, her legacy, her placement in the sport? And where do you think she should go?
2: Yeah. I mean, she was predicted, I think beforehand with about 103.4%. And she managed to get above 3% above that, uh, in her actual total on the day above the record. Um, She had a phenomenal day. She did say leading into it on her road to Sheffield, you know, 5.40 won't be enough anymore. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation of like, okay, you know, how much more can you add to that? Um, Not doubt, I won't say doubt, but like, you know, obviously when somebody talks a big game, you want to see what they can put out. And to add, you know, 45 odd kilos to that um, is, is not a small feat at all. And, you know, I think across the board, she had... An incredible day. Um, you know, that squat was absolutely phenomenal. And I honestly think Leah has the potential, just like Agatha, to choose and pick a weight class if she if she wanted to. And maybe we're not done with seeing Leah, you know, picking her weight classes yet. Maybe we are, but I think regardless of where she chooses to be, we'll see a clash of Titans in in any weight class. I think we're getting to that point now, which where each weight class has, you know, these two, three, four contenders that regardless of where people drift and move between, we're gonna see these huge battles. And I think Lee is no exception there. And it, she clearly has more space to go in the 69s, um, based on that, you know, Sheffield performance.
0: So here's a follow-up question. And if any of you guys want to jump in with additionals, uh tables open. But let me let me toss this out to each one of you leah Bavois, let's say carlina is true to her word does not change her mind and she goes 76 what weight class do you think leah Bavois should compete in because she wasn't a full-fledged 69 and she could easily cut And a couple years ago when penna was on the podcast i told penna at some point a true 69 will come a 69 that has to cut to make the weight class Big, strong, filling out the weight class, and it'll be different. That happened with Agatha. It always happens. Um, what do you think? We'll start with you, Joe. What would you advise Leah Babwa for the future?
1: Stay in the 69s. She's um she's relatively dominant in that class. I'd expect Carola Garrett to go back down to 63. I'd expect Agatha Shitko to go up to 76. 69 is a great class for her. She's not filled it out yet. She's got room to grow. She doesn't have to cut into it. And the performance she gave at Sheffield was incredible. The most she'd done on the platform before on squat was 213, I think. And she put up 225, which was just amazing. We haven't seen her all last year. She wasn't really on form or she didn't go all out at Worlds. So we haven't seen her put in a, a a really intense performance like that since the UK Arnold in 2022 when she put up the highest jail points in the IPF um, in the 63 kilo class. So she was kind of injured coming into Sheffield and she wasn't really pushed at Worlds. So I think this Sheffield was the first time we've really, really seen what she can do in that class. I, I kind of thought she might come in at about 220 on squat, but 225 was was just awesome. Really incredible! That five eight to five total was. We knew she'd put a lot on the on the total world record. We knew she'd put at least thirty kilos on it, but it was forty kilos and more. Absolutely brilliant performance! But I'd say just keep doing what you're doing. It's going well. You're getting stronger. You've still got room to fill out the class. She was sixty six point four in the sixty nines. So I think she's on the right trajectory.
0: Sophia, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I'm, I think the same. I think she should stay in the sixty nines. I just remember seeing her trying to make that cut in South Africa, and I don't want her personally to be in that place ever, ever again. Um, it was so sad to see, and like she is just absolutely crushing it in the sixty nines right now. She hasn't even filled out the sixty nines. Like she can like sit a little bit heavier. I mean, same as Carola, like sitting a little bit heavier, like just gradually and just keep doing what she's doing, like. Already she put what forty kilos on her total. She's just insane. Um, I think she should for sure stay there. And actually, I think Carola should probably stay in the sixty nines as well. She's from seeing her now, like uh, at the banquet, like she's definitely put on a lot more muscle mass. And when you do that, it's it's harder to lose that body weight. Um, and I think she's pretty happy staying in the sixty nines as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see, as I said, that battle come come again
0: yeah we'll put a pin in Corolla. we're going to talk about her in a sec but i will tell you this i also saw her at banquet talked to her and she said she thinks she's staying 69 in oh. case you guys are wondering we'll see how she again things could change as, as time passes but as of the banquet she was like i think i'm going 69 um amelia what is your suggestion for Leah? I, I I do
2: sit on the side of the fence that uh, Joe and Sophia are, are, are speaking from in that what a performance she put up at Sheffield, you know, not just a, like just the squat, the bench, the deadlift, all of it has progressed. And I think, you know, she's already sitting light, which mean does obviously mean she has the opportunity sat at kind of 66 halfway in between to cut down a bit and uh, go to the 63s or Try and just eat into the 69s but based on the growth she's been able to have as a 69 you know why not just keep pushing and see what her body can do you know in the 69s keep eating keep growing um at the end of the day we want to see people get as strong as possible in a most healthy way possible i i think and seeing her in the 69s especially knowing that corolla is potentially going to stay there and maybe Agatha will dip her toes once again. You know, to see two or even three of them clash again would be spectacular.
0: Quick yes or no follow-up to this. If Agatha decides to stay 69, does that change your guys' answer for Leah to stay 69? I'll rip around the table again. Joe.
1: No, great battle. Let's have it.
0: Sophia? Yeah,
3: she should stay 69. Definitely want
2: to see that battle again. Amelia. I'll I'll say stay 69, but is that what strategically they'll do? I'm not sure if that's the same answer.
0: Here's what I, I would suggest stay 69. If I get to go 76 and I would say cut, if I get to go 69 to, I mean, it's the, it's the for sure pathway to, to Sheffield again, and she's close enough for the cut. So that, that's the route I would suggest, but you guys make valid arguments to go 69 um, again. That would so, leave
1: the 63 kilo class wide open, wouldn't it?
0: Well, not wide open.
1: open. We've, we've got Meg Scanlon, we've got Kiera Bernardi, and I think Joe Namani's up in the 63s now. So that's not yeah. exactly wide open, but well, it would change though, things.
0: This is a good segue, Joe. This is perfect that you're, that you're bringing this up because it's very interesting. First off, I think corolla leveled up like crazy at sheffield 557.5 at worlds reminded everybody i think you're overlooking me a lot of people get wrapped up and look at leah bavois such a great backstory um the poster girl for or one of them for france which is a rising nation powerlifting in general and she's extremely popular one of the most talented lifters of our generation two-time world champion so you kind of get lost in the mix when you're her rival. Brola Gara returned to the classic worlds and reminded everybody, I'm neck and neck with her. You guys are talking about it like it's her than me. And it's her and me. It's it's That's the way it actually is. And Sheffield reinforced that. Now, I think if Gara goes 63, Leah goes 69, I think Gara is the queen of the 63s and it'd be very difficult for any of these individuals to unseat her. But... Gara going 63, I think that does open it up. It'd be difficult for me to envision one of those ladies beating Gara, unless Leah goes 63. But if Gara goes 69, oh my goodness, that's the 63s open wide open. Who, Sophia, what do you think this does for Gara's legacy? Um, how, how she's respected within the community, having this back-to-back performances from worlds. And now Sheffield worlds is a 63 and now Sheffield is a 69. Do you think it holds form improves her reputation improves her legacy? How do you think it goes?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. I think like, especially with, uh, Carola where she's not as big on social media either. I think it's been even more exciting because we haven't even, we haven't been seeing like the heavy singles, the heavy doubles or anything. Um, and it just shows like how versatile she is within powerlifting. I mean, she's an amazing equipped lifter as well. Um, and to go from dominating the 63s and now coming in and being neck and neck with Leah and Agatha in the 69s and not even filling the 69s out, it's just insane. Um, and I was speaking with her coach, uh, Antonio, um, and he was saying how, like, yeah, they're pretty certain on like staying with the 69s for the time being, um, which is, I think, really exciting because... We have seen how much she's already put on her lifts and she's now injury-free as well. Whereas cutting into the 63s meant that she was reopened really to injury. I don't know if many people noticed, but she actually used to be a sumo puller. Um, and at Sheffield, she pulled conventional. And this was due to, I think, I believe it was like a hamstring tear that she did at Arnold's. She um, did it at the Arnold's, right yeah, yeah her wrong. last lift, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, and so having that extra weight gain has definitely like helped in terms of managing the injuries better. You'd probably say the same for Leah as well. Like her cutting down to 63s will probably mean that she'll end up being way more open to injuries. I know she had issues with her back previously. Um, so I think even just from like a health perspective, um, just saying the 69 is going to be really good for her. And she's going to continue that legacy for sure. Like she is one of these lifters who just keeps coming back. She's been doing this sport for a long time now, like a pretty long time now um and she's just so focused and so good at what she does i know that she's really big in italy as well like uh, everyone like her club are just so supportive of her um and yeah I, I think it will be i'm just really excited to see where she goes from here to be honest
1: one thing but, to consider as well when we're thinking about weight classes is at world games which is going to have RAW for the first time the weight classes are uh compressed so there's mm. the lightweight classes 47 52 the um medium weight class is 5763 heavyweight 6976 and then the super heavyweight is the 84s in with the 84 plus so the class they do at worlds will determine the class they are in at world games so that's an, an additional consideration that we haven't had before in classic
0: hmm. very true um yeah I think it, I mean it's and then on your way to Sheffield you can pick you don't have to stay in the weight class you're in at Worlds. So you have a little bit of, little bit of wiggle room, whereas World Games you do not. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's very interesting. Let me ask you guys. This is a roundtable question for all you guys. So we'll swing around the table on this. I got the Shitco world champion in equipment, broken bench world records in three different weight classes, 21 years old, just an absolute phenom, multiple time medalist at Worlds in the open, and just won Sheffield. Corolla Gara. World champion in the sixty threes, um, you know several times over. We all know what she's done and equipped as well as World Games. Five eighty two point five is a sixty nine. This is again is a is a total. Six months ago, I would have thought that's a seventy six kilo total. Now we're seeing it in sixty nine, and she's a legend and probably a Hall of Famer. Leah Bavois, two time world champion, champion in sixty three, champion in sixty nine, world record holder sixty three, world record holder sixty nine. Total 585, again, that's a total that just a couple of years ago would have won you the 76 kilo world title, let alone doing this as a small 69. Ladies, this was the perfect storm. The perfect storm, I don't know if you know, there was three hurricanes converged at one time, and we had never seen that in history, in recorded history. And when those three hurricanes clashed, they called that the perfect storm. Did we just witness the perfect storm? Was this, as of right now, from the beginning of the classic era in IPF to now, was this the greatest battle we've ever seen with the greatest lifters clashing all at once? Yes or no? And you can expand on it afterwards, Joe?
1: Yes. And I think it was set up by the new weight class, uh, the 69s having such a, a relatively low total. So one world champion went up, one world champion went down, met in the middle. It's unusual to see that. It's not often we we get to see that. And for those three lifters to put in the best three performances on jail points that we've ever seen was just
2: incredible.
0: Amelia? I think, yes,
2: definitely. Obviously referring to the the 69 kilo women there, but also just all 12 that were there, like, the the standard across the board there, I think was phenomenal and and came together at a perfect time. And, you know, the women's power, I've had so many people say it, women's powerlifting right now it is just phenomenal, like to be a part of to watch like it is incredible. So I think definitely for the 69s, but across the other weight classes as well.
0: Sophia? Battle of the 69s, the greatest battle we've ever seen in our sport?
2: Yeah, I,
3: I'd say so. I think it's just more so because it was more than anything anyone could have ever expected. Like, no one could have like guessed these numbers, and I think that's what made it so absolutely insane. And for a lifter to drop a weight class and do better than they did in that heavier weight class, mm. just he was to say that to someone, they'd be like, no, you're, you're joking. Like, But uh, it was just incredible and just for all of the women like everyone barring one broke went over the world record total like what sorry <laughs> do you know what i mean like even even as you're saying like we've got a new weight class with the lower uh, lower record totals but even so like everyone ac- pretty much across the board went over their the world record total which is incredible
2: to be honest and can I add as well, you know, obviously the women and the men both gave incredible performances. Gustav won by 100.78%. Now, we take a look at, you know, Agatha, who ended up winning by 109.29%. That is incredible. And that doesn't take away from Gustav on the men's side, because obviously everything that we saw was phenomenal. Like the men's battle, which I know Ryan, you guys will speak about, was incredible. But for one hundred and nine point two nine percent over the current world record to be the winner is incredible. I think that was fifty one kilos or something over the world record before Sheffield. Like that is like unimaginable. If someone said that was the winning percentage the day before Sheffield, I would be like, you're crazy. One hundred and nine percent. Couldn't see
1: it. She said uh, it, though. She said she was coming for 600.
0: Yeah, she called, her, she shot. Yeah. <laughs> she called her shot.
1: The other reason it was such an exciting battle was we had two squatters, two benches and two deadlifters. So all three had a weaker lift than the others. So the competition ebbed and flowed around those differences. Agatha had the weaker squat and Leah had the weaker bench and Carola had the weaker deadlift so the the competition flowed around it wasn't just that one person went out in front and no one could catch them so i think that made it more exciting as well
0: and i do think like for for anyone listening sure you if someone wanted to say there could have been tighter battles that are more exciting that's not really what we're talking about here i'm talking but do we ever see a battle of a perfect storm of all time greats like this with resumes like this, that no, if someone wanted to say Agatha versus Jess came down to the very last deadlift, and we saw the biggest deadlift in IPF world history. Maybe that was more exciting, but there's no denying this battle, the resumes on these women in terms of greatness, all clashing at once. I can't think of another time off the top of my head where we saw this amount of greats. And as time goes by, if people want to go too far back in history, we're developing. To your point, Amelia, the women's side is developed so quickly. The, the maturation of the women's division. Soon it won't be this easy to start breaking records, though. It's, it's you know, it'll be tougher. But we'll have clashes like this. Like, I can't think of another time where we had resumes like this and all-time greats like this. And it lived up. All these ladies lived up and performed. And for Agata to have called her shot of 600 kilos and hit, it was ambitious. It might've been just hype to help sell Sheffield. Tony Cliff saying, I'm going for a thousand kilos. He was selling. He was giving sound bites and he did it on KOTL. So I appreciate, believe, believe you me, he did what, what I want. But she wasn't just selling, huh? She lived up to that hype. And um, this might be the beginning of the Agatha Shitko era. The true beginning. Uh, Only time will tell. Moving on to the 52s. And Evie Corrigan, 104.56% of the world record. Only the 69s bested her. Had a a big final deadlift that she missed. She was pushing her chips to the middle of the table. Um, Evie Corrigan, so dominant as a 52. Joe, what do you glean from her performance at Sheffield? Are we talking, is she just the greatest 52 that ever lived and is just too good? Noemi Aliber at one point was a dominant champion herself, multiple time world champion, and she used to be the one winning. And there's a spread between Alibert and the rest of the 52s. And then there's a whole nother level when it comes to Evie.
1: I think so, but I don't think Noemi has been making the progress she was. We didn't see too many big lifts from her in training. I don't know whether she was dealing with something. She's working through a plateau, excuse me. But also, Noemi was the only lifter amongst the women to miss three lifts. She missed a squat, she missed a bench, she missed a deadlift. And in that kind of company, you just can't. And I understand that that happens when you're trying to stretch, you're trying to keep up. Um, But I think, yeah, I think she was the only one that missed, missed three lifts. And we saw as the competition was running through with final deadlifts, people were moving from 10th to 5th. People were making enormous jumps with one lift. So one missed lift cost you a lot. Now, Evie, going in, we, we all talked about the 484 she did at New Zealand Nationals, at a slightly higher body weight. She took all but three of those kilos back down to the 52s with her. And she travelled, she travelled the world, she cut the weight um, and she put in a a phenomenal performance. And it is the best performance we've seen in that weight class before because she extended the total world record yet again. I really didn't expect her to pull out 208.5, if I'm honest. That was a a bit of a shocker for me. I thought the deadlift world record was out of range. And of course, she went for an even bigger one after that to try and, and move herself onto the podium. Um, But a phenomenal performance, honestly, and I don't think she's finished yet.
0: She loaded up 216. uh, I think she could have loaded up just three kilos and matched her previous total as a small 57 back home in New Zealand. She's not capped out. Now, having said that, she's so dominant at the 52s and sacrifices so much. She's extremely lean. She's been on the podcast talking about she wears baggy clothes. If she doesn't, people are looking at her like, Oh my gosh, look how lean that lady is. She talks about how much discipline and motivation it takes to stay as a 52 on the flip side. What she's doing as a 52 is absolutely incredible. And she's setting a benchmark. It might be years before we see a 52 catch up to that. Has would you say she's done all she needs to do and said all she needs to set as a 52? And would you like to see her go 57 or would you say stay 52? See what you can do. Maybe you push it. Maybe you, maybe you're the first 52 to hit the 500 kilo mark. Maybe there's more milestones to hit. See how far you can push it before you go 57 and see if the performances start tailoring off or plateauing because to Joe's point, it doesn't look like she's even close to plateauing. I'll throw this over to Sophia first.
3: Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think she, she even knows that it's not sustainable to stay at 52 for much longer. Um, obviously it, it, she said even to me recently that the, the cut is getting harder. Um, it, it's hard to take off those kilos and the grams. Um, but I think like, because it is um, a world games like qualifier this year, I think what she'll, what I would personally do would probably stay as a 52 this year, just to go to the World Games and then look to go to 57s, uh, next year. Um, it, she's, as you say, already still making progress as a 52. Can you imagine what kind of progress she could be making if she had that little bit more weight on her? Um, and she'd just probably enjoy life a little bit more as well, personally. Um, so I think she should probably, uh, go to 57s probably soon, but, because of the World Games, I think she probably should stay as a 52 this year. Especially if she's already think- near that weight because of Sheffield.
0: What do you think, Amelia? I mean, yeah, I think
2: obviously Evie's super lean and, you know, she's, she's filled out with muscle. Um, she actually woke up in the morning, I uh, was chatting to her the morning of Sheffield and she was like, my morning plans are ruined. I woke up at weight. I, I don't need to take a hot bath. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do all morning so actually i think that the the cut this time round went a little better to not not like it didn't go to plan but she uh she woke up at weight so didn't have to do those kind of extra saunas and, and baths and things like that um but you know she she still has kilos to grab i think in the 52s she said that um Going into the last deadlift, they discussed before that two fifteen would have been her very top end. But as you said, you know two sixteen would have pulled her onto the podium at that point. So she was like, "Well, you know, I might as well just put that extra kilo on and and see if I can do it." Um, but I think you know she knew that that was very much her top end, so it could have gone either way. I definitely agree with Sophia with it being a World Games year and her already being close to that weight, kind of staying around there and seeing and kind of fulfilling the potential she has in the 52s um because she keeps putting kilos in that total and she's doing a phenomenal job of it probably isn't sustainable forever but i think right now you know she's making history as a 52 and i think she can keep pushing that for a bit longer
0: so what are you thinking
1: I think the World Games is a, a really relevant thing here because the way it works is i have already spoken about the compressed weight classes. So you have the 47s and 52s lifting together and then they're scored on GL points. So you're going to want to be as lean as possible because it's not about total in uh, the World Games. It's going to be on GL points within your doubled weight class. So 47s and 52s lifting together. I would I would stay in there. Because, not because there's less competition. There are no classes now where there's no competition in the IPF. But she's got a better chance of a higher GL score. So I would, one more time around, hit Worlds again, hit Sheffield again, hit the World Games, and then go up to the 57s. If she can sustain it that
0: long. I'm going to echo everything you guys said for all the reasons you guys said. Uh, world Games is right around the corner. She's still gaining at 52, and it doesn't look like she's plateaued. And hearing what Amelia said about the weight cut, if it's like that, okay, that's got me. It, it, if she woke up and it was hell, you know, hot, hot bass or sauna or whatever the protocol had to be, you got to ask some questions. But if she woke up and was like, I'm on weight, it, it's probably not super pleasant. But this is even four more months to Worlds is a very short period of time for the rest of your life to hit. She's making history. She's the greatest 52 we've ever seen. She's doing things. If when Noemi Aliber was just Noemi Aliber, we thought Noemi Aliber was something else doing things we'd never seen. When Evie came came down, we had to rewrite what we thought a 52 was capable of. And now, and only now, because Evie's there, 500 kilos isn't crazy to talk about. A little off. She's going to have to take some time. Maybe she hits it. Maybe she doesn't. But it's in the conversation now. She's already in the 480s and she went hell Mary on her last deadlift to get a podium. If she's just adding kilos, we could have seen what? 45. We're not that far off. I think stay 52, chase history. And then once you move up, you never got to look back. And then when she goes 57, then I won't spend too much time on this because we might be a year away from this, but if she goes 57 and she's already chasing 500 kilos, she's instantly competitive as a 57, which is a nice segue into the next showdown. I want to talk about ladies Jad Jackup 519.5. Jad Jackup has become the world champion slayer at Sheffield. Very interesting to me that Jad Jackup two times in a row loses worlds, rematches at Sheffield, and gets a revenge. And she calls her shots. She said, coming into this, I want, she used the word revenge. I'm not sure. And I'm going to throw this to you, Amelia. What is the story here? Is it? When she feels something's taken from her, it motivates her a little more because it's still IPF officiating. It's the, the whole nine. What do you think it is that when it comes to the world championship, she falters, comes to Sheffield, and that motivation for revenge for her, she just finds another gear and looks sensational at Sheffield and against phenomenal opposition. Look, Natalie Richards was world's best lifter. And Noemi, or sorry, uh, and Joy Nemani two-time world champion and all-time great. She's she's battling all-time greats here and showing up at Sheffield. What do you, what's the storyline here?
2: I think it is really interesting um, that, you know, clearly the ability, the strength is there. She's been able to kind of take that, you know, metaphorical crown at Sheffield twice. But when it comes to the world championships, you know, falls a little bit short of that um, or has done the last couple of times. And I don't know if it's because, you know, at, at Worlds, that big goal is the the world title, you know, is being the best 57. And at Sheffield, that's kind of a side quest, you know, amongst a much bigger game. And it feels like, you know, if if winning Sheffield or getting on the podium is the finish line, then being the best 57 is just, all right, well, what if I just run a bit faster than this person in front of me? you know, and that feels more achievable. And it kind of takes that, you know, and this is all, all speculation, but from like kind of the mental side of things, that feels a lot less intimidating than, you know, the gap between me and the finish line versus the gap between me and just overtaking this person in front of me. And maybe that pressure being taken off at Sheffield, weirdly enough, because of how big the event is, is enough to kind of get those extra kilos um, and push herself a bit more there. Although, you know, it, it's not, only just Jad having a great performance it was also Natalie kind of making a couple misses I believe um in in her performance so it, you know there's a lot that goes into it but I think the the strength is clearly there the ability is clearly there and I'd be really interested to see how you know Worlds in Lithuania plays out this year in the 57s can she get the official title finally after slaying them at Sheffield two years in a row it's going to be
0: a really exciting clash she has got to be one of the best powerlifters to not win an open title at this point. Um Joe Joe what do you think about it? It could be it could it could be various factors. Mental, it could be uh is a handling. The handling's oh. different. Stanley handled her at Sheffield. Yeah,
1: he he did. Um but if we can go back to Sun City where she missed out to join Imani she actually, with her last pull, she got herself onto the top step of the podium. She forced Joey Normani to pull her second deadlift world record of the day to beat her on body weight. Or was it by half a kilo? I, I'm not sure. But I don't think that's a failure of her performance. She performed at an incredible level, but she was up against Join Amani, and you can't bet against Joey Normani in her deadlift. But she forced Join Amani to pull two deadlift world records. Now, at... In Malta, the situation was slightly different. She missed a bench, and she was a little bit on the back foot. Natalie was having a great day and making everything look easy. She was one bench down. No, they did make a mistake in the the attempt they put in, but she didn't pull it anyway. She didn't have it on the day. Um, I can't quite was it two thirty two point five maybe. So, I think she's gone toe to toe with phenomenal athletes who are at the top of their game. So I don't think that it's that she's underperformed at Worlds so much as she's operating in such a, a heightened, rarefied level of elite lifters that she's putting in incredible performances and just missing. And But not at Sun City, Joy was slightly better. It wasn't that she didn't do very well. She's a phenomenal lifter. And, and as you say, I think she is the best female uh, IPF athlete out there who is yet to win uh, a world title. And I think it's coming because she's, she'd improved. Her squat was bigger. She'd, um, she'd not done more than 182 on the international stage before then. She'd done more in local meets. So her squat's gone up, her bench has gone up and the deadlift, she sneaked a little bit more on that deadlift as well. And of course, Natalie missed a couple of lifts, as, uh, as Amelia said. Uh, otherwise the situation may have been a bit different.
0: Sophia what do you think in terms of Natalie's performance in the battle we saw at Sheffield
3: like Natalie yeah she really came like, you could see that she was coming in strong already like even through her training looked really great um her squats were looking really strong throughout as you said she did miss uh, a couple lifts but it was only like from her last deadlift like it looked like it was just grip at the top to be honest like she did all the hard work and then it just kind of like popped yeah. out of her hands which was a shame um and that would have obviously really forced Jard to push her deadlift um so I think we're gonna see a really close battle at Worlds again um Natalie's probably gonna be really working on her grip now uh, from that top deadlift at top of the deadlift um it's yeah it's gonna be neck and neck and even like going back to Jard, like she even looked like a bit more composed this time compared to her last Sheffield as well I think she's really grown as a lifter um just i mean she's still very young um and all this experience is really helping her and natalie has come in obviously um first worlds and she won which is just like come out of no, nowhere and it was really insane um and she's um already quite experienced quite composed um and she's looking hella strong at the moment so if she can go that nine for nine um at world, it's, her and Jod are just going to keep pushing each other. Um, so yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty cool to watch.
0: So Jod ended up five nineteen point five. Natalie missed her last deadlift, jumped from two twenty to two thirty. Natalie ended up with five sixteen point five. That would have gave her ten kilos to five twenty six point five. That's she would have probably closed the door on Jod had she hit that. And we've seen in training she hit 227.5. So 230 probably might have been in reason on certain days. So this rivalry is far from over.
1: I think so because Shad had uh, 236.5 lined up for her final deadlift before Natalie missed. And I, I don't think she would have done it. So I think, as you say, it all hung on that miss of Natalie's. I misspoke before she only missed one lift, not a couple.
3: Oh, it's just one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even, it's... like, her second deadlift, like, it moved like she had another 10 kilos there. Um, right. So I can totally see why they put in, uh, t- like, 2.30. It looked like she was good for it as well. So looking at her second, it moved really fast. Um, I said, I think it was just the lockout where it, it just popped out of her hands. Like, she's obviously got the strength there. And to be honest, if she, her, she's her grip is there on the day, she's probably got a little bit more as well, seeing how that third one moved um so it's going to be a really exciting battle between the two of them for sure
0: i know i was talking to matt gary afterwards matt gary's handling natalie and matt was like ah, you know he's beating himself up about it and it's like look at it, it's 2020 20 hindsight matt you i did they need that much could they have done less and she didn't need that total to defeat jad maybe maybe not but if you took off some kilos and Jad came back around because Jad was having a phenomenal day. And Jad came back around you and, and outpulled you. You would have said the exact same thing. I'm like, ah, she Natalie pulled 227 and a half. She probably had 230. I should have loaded 230. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But Matt is going to be tough on himself, just like he's tough on everybody when it comes to handling it. He's always going to double back and, and double check on things in, in his own uh, mentally. But quick question round table. Who, as of right now, is the number one 57 in the world? I'll toss this to you, Joe, first.
1: Chad. Chad, for sure. She's got the highest jail points uh, and the highest total. So it's in her courts.
0: Yeah. Amelia?
2: I was hoping it would go to Sophia. Oh, it really really is. I just forget I'm here. Um, it it really is close. And I think it, you know, we have to acknowledge like how easy that world record squat was for Natalie and the fact that you know it wasn't a strength issue on deadlift. Jad is, you know, a, a an incredible force, you know, gun to my head. I might say Natalie right now.
0: You could make the argument where like. Pick a couple of kilos off that last deadlift, and I think Natalie could have won. And it was it you can make that argument. They're so close. There is no right and wrong in this, let's be honest. Having said that, Sophia, what do you think?
3: I mean, like Joy Joy Namani set the bar really high in the 57s. And for me, like she'll always be like an absolute GOAT. Um and
0: Oh, but, the British yeah, but, bias. Here we are. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the Brits. Um, yeah, so but I definitely right now like Jade, I think she's got, like, she is the strongest right now. Um, that's not to say that Natalie isn't going to come in and overtake her with that, but you, I think we can just see the fire in Jard right now. And she, she wants that so bad. Um, I think, yeah, and she's got a lot more to give, like both of them do. Um, I think right now, now Jade, but yeah, who's not to say Natalie's going to come in and, and take that as well. So. I would say
0: you couldn't go wrong either way. Um, all lean towards Jad just because she did a nine for nine at Sheffield, and it was so emphatic. In the wording she used leaving into leading into Sheffield, she was so hyped up for this clash and wanted her revenge. But I felt the same way about Natalie after worlds, and I was like, you can't beat Natalie. And it could happen at Worlds, they could reverse it again. And some people will say, look at if 2020 hindsight, we start changing up a little bit of things, maybe Natalie had more on the day, just an equal out like that. Maybe, maybe not, because Jad might've had more too. I don't, it's, go the ahead, The
2: thing maybe. is, if, if you were like, oh, those two are competing against each other again tomorrow, who's gonna win? I'd be like, I could not tell you, I don't know. They're gonna compete against each other next week. I still don't know you know they're competing against each other in Lithuania who's going to win I don't know it's not like I'm I'm standing here holding like a, a Natalie flag or a Zsad flag like both flags are firmly in the ground I I don't you know I could not pick a name it would be like picking a name out of a hat at this point so you know I, I'm kind of going based off of you know if they both had that 99 night and day um, and you know what we saw at Sheffield but really you know it's it's pretty identical in my eyes right now it's going to come down to i think lithuania which i think will be super exciting
0: you'll be can't miss it'll be can't miss i can't wait for lithuania and maybe we see jad finally grab an open world title because if I this know. continues if this continues the first thing she's going to say after the interviews like once the interviews start is I'll see you at Sheffield. If this <laughs> her record at Sheffield's 2-0 and she's doing phenomenal. Uh moving on to the 84 pluses Joe the 84 pluses have been absolutely sensational as of late. Had probably the best session of Malta 2020. Definitely the
1: best session, yeah.
0: And What we again? They lived up. Brit later, the reigning world champion, a three-lift specialist, huh? There are some people who have, you know, they got big deadlifts, big benches, or big or big squats. And Brit toes that line right up in the middle. And as a three-lift specialist, she can be losing ground, but it's not over until the very end because she's so steady. Once again, winning the showdown against Sonita, despite Sonita's fast heavy charge at the start with three hundred kilos. 300 kilos, that is a milestone, tested, untested, whatever. whatever. It's the biggest squat we'd ever seen. Tell me about the 84 pluses that we saw at Sheffield and how special was that rematch?
1: Well, I think a problem, if it we can call it a problem, with Sheffield is that there are so many phenomenal performances that they get overshadowed and overlooked because usually – uh, if we're at Worlds, you have a couple of great performances on a day, and we all talk about that. But when you've got 24 great performances on the day, right. you have people who were did amazing things, but they were a little bit lower on the pecking order. So they do get a bit overshadowed. And I think Britney Schlater's squat is being massively overshadowed by Sunita's, obviously, because she's doing a lot more. But Brittany squatted 285. And Sheffield last year, that was higher than the world record. It's only that Sunita's taking these giant strides on squat that makes it look like Britney's squat isn't as big. So I, I think it's easy to lose perspective when we're looking at all these phenomenal performances. Britney, she was brilliant. Did she miss a lift, Britney? Did she they, go nine? Her first, her first deadlift.
2: Deadlift. Yeah, they both
1: did. Oh, oh, of course. All the super heavyweights, yeah. male and female, stumbled with their opening deadlift. That was, that was, that was really odd.
0: On but, conventional um, pulls too, which is odd to stumble balance-wise at the top. Tony
1: Cliff stumbled at, at the top with his deadlift as well. Yeah,
0: And Jesus. It was very yeah. weird that day.
1: <laughs> it was. Thought I had a bit of an epidemic of it. But as you said, at Malta, the super heavyweight stole the show for me. Um, Brittany and Sunita finally laying down some massive numbers. Brittany coming out on top. Of course, Sunita did that huge 300.5 kilogram squat. I don't, think, I don't think I'll ever forget seeing that at Sheffield. Joe said he was on the stage um, and he said a wall of noise hit him as soon as she came out for that. I mean, it was noisy environment um, anyway, but the, the, the support of the crowd was phenomenal for it. But Brittany, again, she always seems to sort of almost fly under the radar. Massive squat, wasn't a record. Third biggest bench we've ever seen in the APF wasn't a record though. Third biggest deadlift we've ever seen, but the biggest total we've ever seen, but that deadlift of Brittany's that was not maxed out. She had a lot more in the tank there. Yeah. It was, was it 267 and a half?
0: Yeah. I agree. With she you
1: had a lot more there. She did what she needed to do for, for the position for the, for the total world record. And I understand that as a coaching decision, but a couple of more kilos on that, she would have taken the deadlift world record as well. And Now, I understand why that is the conservative approach and that is the safe approach as a coach. I'd have loved to have seen her take the deadlift world record as well.
0: In a seven ten 10 finish, um, Brittany is continuously leveling up. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. Alexis Jones is crossing over. and The battle of the 84 pluses at IPF Worlds, and we won't turn this into an IPF Worlds preview show, but... Oh my gosh! We're gonna have a podium all seven hundred kilos and up. This is crazy. the The eighty four pluses have leveled up like we would never seen. This is the the most healthy division at eighty four pluses we've ever seen for talent pool wise. The depth of it. Previously, it's the Bonica Brown show. You show up, and who's coming in second? And there's no better way to kill off sport where you show up to a basketball game and everybody's leaving by the fourth quarter because you already know who's going to win. I'm using basketball term with a bunch of Brits. I should have chose a different sport. <laughs> but um, you get what I'm saying where you need showdowns in sports where you don't know who's going to win. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Flip of a coin right down to the very end. And the 84 plus is having that now has increased the popularity of this division like no other. And we have new entrants Coming and, and new boundaries being pushed. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's exciting stuff. But yeah, Brittany Schlater, once again, and obviously I'm Canadian and uh, yay team Canada. We we got one. We got one with Brit, So I was happy. Um, and quick question here for the 300 kilos, ladies, just for milestones that cross. We all remember Ray Williams. This is the round table question. So I'll throw it to all you. We all know Ray Williams when he squatted a 1,000 pounds. What that meant, it was all over the place. It was on ESPN. In terms of, on the women's side, a woman squatting and crossing over the 300 kilo mark, where does that rank as single feats of strength? Ray Williams crossed that 1,000 pound mark, and everybody was talking about it, and everyone remembers this. 300 kilos seemed absolutely unfathomable tested knee sleeves 300 kilos where does that rank in terms of milestones being hit Sophia, you want to go you're a deadlift queen (laughs) the fact that she's squatting more than some of the men
3: it just says a lot i think um and also what's kind of crazy is she came up to me afterwards and was like i was actually hoping for more (laughs) they were I was disappointed disappointing yeah she know she who that they were actually paying for more but something happened with her knee sleeve um warming up and she actually had to put one knee sleeve that was bigger on one leg than the other so for that 300 squat she was wearing two completely different sized knee sleeves and she oh still gosh. squatted 300 kilos that is insane i think yeah and just in terms of milestones it's something that we probably didn't even consider say a year ago and now it's it's happened um and just for a female as a female watching another female do that it is so empowering to see how strong the body is and how capable we are um and I think just for everyone watching her she's it's just insane same as Brittany I mean like seeing Brittany bench even 157 kilos that is So insane i think just the both of them have just like elevated the 84s completely um and it's just so exciting to watch
0: what do you think amelia
2: yeah i think 300 kilos is is one of those weights particularly on squats that you know which i think is what makes it such a milestone that regardless of weight class or gender you're like wow that person squatted 300 kilos so for it to be the first ever three hundred kilo, you know, raw uh, in the in IPF squat um, by by women is just incredible. Because if if you saw a random guy in the gym squatting three hundred kilos, you saw a random guy in the gym squatting two hundred kilos, you'd be like, oh, fair play, guy. You know, well done." But the fact that now there are women squatting three hundred kilos it is it, incredible you know like I was saying it's it's a weight that you'd be impressed by regardless of, of size agenda and I think that's what makes it such a big milestone in that if you just said uh, x person squatted 300 kilos you'd be like wow you know that that's incredible so I, I think that is huge and to kind of what Joe said before um, is exactly kind of my my thought stream which is because Sunita had that 300.5 kilo squat it's very easy for people to look over the fact that Brittany is also an incredible squatter like she's incredibly strong and she wasn't really that far behind her and I don't think some reason to think that you know Brittany at some point will also squat that way um kind of like Evie last year where you know I don't think she broke any uh individual record squat bench or deadlift but then it's like wow you know Evie's so strong and i think britney is kind of that sort of incredible force of you know she's just well-rounded like across the board like she's just strong and all of it and i think it, it's not even just those two in the 84 plus uh in malta that made it so exciting you know there are other names in the in the mix um and that's really exciting with alexis jones coming over uh, i'm not sure what bonica's doing but if she's back in in the mix as well so that's four or five names going into this year's worlds as well so you know a really exciting class especially because people love seeing people shift the most weight that they can you know and obviously the 84 plus are moving the most weight um in the the women's classes so for that to now also be competitive with four or five competitive people in there is is so exciting
1: we have um, uh, Natalie Lalai as well, of course, who was the yeah. biggest deadlifter that we have. Um, She'll 600 was, plus she you yeah. like milestones. But um, I think it's worth saying, uh, like we've been saying, that Brittany's uh, squat was a little bit overshadowed by Sunita's. And of course, Sunita's squat was uh, incredible. It's the All-Federation squat world record in knee sleeves. Four women have done more in knee wraps. Only four. Knee wraps, monolift, untested. So to be right up in the top five of squats that have been done and we have done it tested, walked out, knee sleeves is, um, I mean, some of the different equipment types, uh, or the different conditions aren't as relevant as others, but knee sleeves to knee wraps, that's a big one. But if we look uh, on open powerlifting at the biggest squats ever done in knee sleeves, Brittany's number two. She's number two in the world. So it's, again i'm going to say it's not really a problem that sheffield sets up but we we do need to focus in a little bit on some of the performances like we're doing here um in order to really give credit to the phenomenal lifting that that some of these women did
0: that's the greatest problem to ever have is we had so much to talk about so many amazing performances thank god like sheffield did it all in one session it's it's insane we did this in one session all of what we're talking about it's the greatest session of the year of all time um but so if i'm gonna rank sonita's 300 kilo squat 300 kilo point five, excuse me pardon me it is the biggest squat tested or untested in sleeves and let's be honest in wraps is the, raw with wraps is a dying division i don't know how many people are big fans of that we throw it out there in our spec but um raw with wraps A lot of people un- still t-
1: do it right i think a lot of people still do it it's still it's still not compared there.
0: to sleeves though if we were to compare like the amount of people doing sleeves like uh, anyways, whatever different discussion, but I'm going to say this is number one. This is number one at the top of, of the feats that I've seen and the Rhea Williams, cause it's in pounds. It's a little more universal Americans in North America. Don't really wrap their head around kilos, but that was absolutely insane. And if she crosses the 700 pound barrier at some point, we're a little ways away. I got you. I don't want to get overly excited, but if she crosses that, Let's see. It, it's, it's in fact, it, it's absolutely incredible. So I'm going to rank it super duper high. Um, Ladies, I got to, what do you guys say about a quick P break? We come back, talk about Carlina and continue. Okay. You All I'm right. Good. Perfect. All right. We're back. Moving right into uh, Carlina, Carlina. Um, and we'll, we'll send this over to you, Sophia, obviously as uh, resident 76, but Carlina came back and finally broke that world record and did it internationally for she was the first 76 to cross 600 kilos did it in new zealand and when you're coming from new zealand it is the craziest travel the amount of flights the amount of layovers you have the amount it's it's an entirely different day when i try to do a podcast with eric helms and rory lynch from new zealand it's my sunday it's their monday you literally need to be a time traveler there's so many different time zones and carlina you know, having to face that each and every time and pushing it to 6'10.5. Um, so she's broken that world record, represented New Zealand. New Zealand becoming a bit of a powerhouse here. What did you learn from Carlina at the 76s? Is she, she pacing? She's growing in the weight class in terms of her total? And obviously, Agatha saying, I'm coming back up to 76. What do you glean from this?
3: I think, like I just said, Colleen is still making progress. And I think, I mean, she missed her second deadlift uh, on grip. Um, and actually, when she came back out, I think she then swapped chalks and then came back and she actually like obviously got her third lift, which I'm really pleased that she got that. Um, I'm. It's really great to see her actually surpassing that 600. So I feel like we haven't really seen it since she did it at the Commonwealth. Um, so it was really great to see her get past that her bench looks really strong actually like coming into it as well um it looked like she had a few more kilos there in her bench press um I'm glad that she came back and got that squat as well um which, which she didn't get that at sheffield last year um now having agatha come back to the 76s um it's going to be a really interesting one because it's going to be interesting to see if agatha puts on even more kilos um gaining that weight. Um, and also just to see Carlina have a battle, because I feel like we haven't really seen her have a head to head battle yet. Um, so I'd like to see how she does under that, like added pressure as well. Um, and see how both of them kind of go head to head. So I'm excited for it actually. Um, it's a shame I can't be watching, but I, I mean, <laughs> I'll be definitely be there. So. It'll be, it'll be great to yeah.
0: great to, to. see. <laughs> Unfortunately, you'll miss it. You'll have to. You'll yeah, have to I'll want, be right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's interesting. Carleen has been so dominant at 76, and she's had stellar lifters in 70s. Agatha, Jessica Bittner, like she's had fantastic lifters, but she's been so dominant at 76. For a minute there, she thought it kind of appeared as though she'd suffer from her own success. And have stamped out any fires and not be able to get that heat going with a nice old-fashioned battle like we talked about in some of the battles we had here at Sheffield. You need that. And never saw this coming, but Agatha moving down a weight class, reestablished herself as a threat to Carlina, perhaps a massive threat, hitting 600 kilos at 69. Now, here's the round table question I'm going to ask you, ladies. Some people drop weight. And have a massive total. And then we immediately tell ourselves. If they add the weight back on. Their total will shoot up. Sometimes that's true. There's a reason why there's weight classes. Other times. The strength jump isn't as much as you might have thought. Whether you're one weight class or the other. It's not a massive adjustment on the strength. We don't know which way I get this going. Because she's so young. I'm not sure. As of right now. Roundtable across, and we'll start with you, Sophia. Who would be the favorite in your mind to win a showdown at 76 between Agatha Shitko and Carlita Tongatea?
3: Oh, that's so difficult. I think like Stato. with Agatha, <laughs> I think Agatha going up, like I think she'll put more kilos on her squat, but I don't know how it will affect her deadlift is the thing. So I can see probably Carlina still coming out on top, um, potentially. I don't know. We never know of Agatha now. Um, but, yeah, I can definitely see Agatha's squat going up. I just don't know how it's going to affect her deadlift. Her bench will probably fly still. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's actually going to be closer than than we think, to be honest.
0: I would um, – yeah, I'm going to ask the other ladies, but I bet you Carlina's also like, let's also – clash on my side of the world for once and um, not in Europe. (laughs) Give me some more in my favor. Joe, what do you think?
1: Well, I'd like to challenge you on that assertion that Carlina Tonkatea was that dominant in the 76s because Agatha was only two and a half kilos behind her in Malta. She was close. She wasn't far behind. Now, arguably, Carlina had more in the tank on deadlift and could have done more if she'd been pushed to do so. But Agatha was right up there. And I've just had a quick whiz through the numbers on um, OpenIPF because your point, uh, Sophia, about she might lose a little on the deadlift or not put on as much as you might uh, think. She did 230 back in 2022, right up against the top of the 76 kilo weight class. So two years training for someone like Agatha Shitgo is um, enough to put on quite a lot. I think... I think she will take strength back up, especially in squat. And a bench is still moving. A bench is still going fast. We know that increased body weight helps your bench and squat. I don't think she'll lose too much. She's been up there. She's done about 260 equipped I think she's really going to take the fight to Carlina. And I'm not going to count Carlina out because she's a phenomenal lifter. And she's got the fire. You see when she starts to struggle on the squat, she gets that look in her eye and she pushes. She's an absolute warrior on the platform. So I'm not going to count Carlina out, but I think she's going to have a fight on her hands.
0: Would you say would be the favorite?
1: I don't think there is a favorite in that one.
0: Oh, the, oh, you, oh you're you so confident out the gates. You sidestep that like a boxer. I think Amelia. it's going to be
1: right <laughs> close. I think it's going to be
2: down to the last deadlift.
0: Okay. Um, Amelia, you got a favorite for me?
2: Well, I think, you know, uh, recency bias obviously says that, you know, Agatha's on fire right now. We know that she is, you know, you said it's the age of Agatha, you know, it is like right now it's, she's very much, coming into her own and and she's dominating. It's also important to remember that I don't think at least for a while, we've seen her go nine for nine as a 76, you know, like that amazing performance at Sheffield was the first time we've seen her in, you know, I can't even think when pulled together a nine for nine day. It was the first one. Yeah. I, th- I thought so. Yes. Yeah. So, so like Joe said, you know, it's the first time she's pulled together a nine for nine day. Now, if there is even like Sophia was saying, any sort of di- discrepancy in going up and maybe that affecting a lift or, or not, and she has a potential to, to miss a lift, you know, that really opens up a lot of kilos for, for Carlina or for anyone else, you know, that she's competing against. So in terms of if she goes up and has her second F9 for nine, for nine day, you know, I, I think she very much right now has the chance to be the front runner by a kilo by body weight like joe said it, it's not gonna be a huge ba- like a huge gap between them um so i think it if she can put together a nine for nine day again which you know she can now but it's in, you look at her kind of track record it's not a, a frequent thing then i think right now it will come down to it and maybe she'll just pick the post there but that's not Counting Carlina out because Carlina's very strong, still growing, and a very, very consistent lifter as well.
0: I think amongst the public, if we're doing odds, and that's usually how odds roll out, right? Is um mm. I think Agatha based off the momentum of Sheffield and, and the talk of Sheffield and just the belief in her would be the favorite. And if you look at the fact that she's 10 years younger than Carlina, she's twenty one. She's, she's a junior going to stay a junior. Like I, I think her rate of adaptation and the sky's the limit for her right now. The one thing that Carlina has though is she, in this battle which it would be super tight regardless and they're both all-star lifters. Carlina will lift last. She will be able to load up what she needs for the win and that's big. That's always big. She'll have the last laugh. Can I get to push her beyond where, where she misses? Maybe. We've seen that happen as well. I think Agatha would be the favorite based off of the momentum of Sheffield. And, and that momentum is just huge. And based off the, you know, the intangibles, like she's 21 years old. So what you could do in three months at 21 and what you could do at three months at 31 is 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 different, I think. But and I think if anyone's closer to their peak and plateauing, it'd be Carlina, not saying she's plateaued, but closer to. I think that's undeniable. I I, I think Agatha, we all agree, God knows where she'll be in five years. And that's probably when she's peaking. So eventually Agatha will surpass. I think she's too close. Will she surpass as close enough to Worlds? This Worlds? I don't know. I I think she's the favorite though. Good discussion, ladies. I'm excited. The 76 kilo class will be super stacked if she moves up and then we get the 69s with Carlina or sorry, uh, Corolla and Leah conceivably. We'll have to see. Um, Moving on to Turbo Tiff. And Joe Turbo Tiff broke the world record yet again. Um, Looks super dominant in this weight class. Her total is now entered into the 430s. Far ahead of most of the other 47s. Or what are we looking at here? She has she has A couple things. What do you take from her performance? Is she so far ahead of the other 47s? Everything's been said that can be said. She's the greatest 47 of all time. Nobody in history would have come close to her. What do you think?
1: Well, she, she was running her own race, wasn't she? She was on her own in class. She wasn't in a in a weight class battle. And although everyone at Sheffield was competing against everyone else at Sheffield, it's easier to focus down on those battles. And I think maybe someone pushing you in the class can spur you on to do a little bit more. But she, she pushed up her own squat world record, bench world record and total world record. She did very well in terms of payout. That was £15,000. But was she um, tenth, tenth place, which is a crazy place to finish when you, you've you've done so well. But if you think about the other forty sevens that are out there, we've got Heather Connor, uh, Jess Espinol, and they haven't put up totals like that. I think the best they've done. If I have a quick look. Yeah, the best they've done is Jess Espinel's done 4.17 and a half, Heather Connor 4.10. Tiff Chippon's up there at four thirty one and a half. That's a big gap to bridge in a small weight class. It's harder for the smaller weight classes to push on, lots of kilos, and it's hard to see who's going to challenge her, really.
0: I, I agree, and for a while there... It was, you know, Heather Connor who was the greatest forty-seven of all time, and we had that. Then Tiffany just asserted herself so dominantly. Then there's hype on Jessica Espinal, who's a fantastic lifter coming out of the U.S., but four seventeen point five, kind of close, but four thirty. To your point, when you're forty-seven, those that's it's a pretty good spread. Let's yeah. be honest, that's a pretty good spread. Now Jess is young and and can progress, but Turbo Tiff is young. She's winning titles as a junior and and. She's also progressing. It's she's starting to become a victim of her own success, not only with the Sheffield format, but just period at worlds. Even it'll be it'll be tight. We need to see some big jumps from the rest of the 47s um to threaten her, to to really feel like she's back into the showdowns. Now, having said that, whereas previously it was Heather and then the rest of the division, now it's Turbo Tiff and the rest of the division, but it's tight to get onto that podium. Canada's Aurelie. Obviously, at Worlds, went back into the warm-up room and pulled what she would have needed to to hit it onto the podium. She's not going to do that again. She's also a junior. A lot of these ladies are juniors. Mm -hmm. A lot of these ladies are young and developing really quickly in the 47-kilo class as long as they stay in the 47s. It'll be interesting to see where Tiffany ends up going. Will she eventually go 52? If Evie moves up, and we all agree, Evie's eventually going to move up. Turbo Tiff at four thirty, and Noemi Alibar, if she's in the four forties, and she can go four fifties, I don't know. I don't know what and, ends up happening, or a Turbo Tiff's Like, look at, thank you very much. I think forty seven is good for me.
1: She does cut into the class as well, doesn't she? She, she does. doesn't sit naturally close to it. She, so she you used can to stand moving up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like you know weightlifting obviously puts on muscle mass and she's she's getting more and more muscular and i don't know but it's it's a big jump 47 like 5 kilos at that body weight is not small she would be she doesn't have to fill out 52 just like Leah and Corolla, but I, i'm i'm not entirely sure um either way uh, and moving on to sophia let's talk about uh amanda lawrence broke the world record total is clearly talking about goats of the division clearly the goat 84 what did you take away from her performance at Sheffield?
3: Like she showed up again and showed us again how insane she is in the 84s. Um she I know she missed her last deadlift. I think she said to me afterwards that she was a bit affected by the only one like she only had an hour to kind of like recomp after weigh in which she said kind of affected her affected her and also she made a jump from her second to third deadlift which she wouldn't normally make as well um so that could have also affected it i mean there was quite a few different variables but yeah insane squat as well again like it was a grind but what a great grind it was um i think it'll be really interesting to see if we have anyone that cut like starts to kind of go head to head with her as well because she's been at the top of the class for so long now It'll be really good to see a kind of a battle going in the under 84s as well. Um, be that, maybe we see someone from the 84 pluses drop down to 84s. Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, insane performance again, I think. I, I know that she was uh, annoyed about missing that last deadlift, but um, I'm I'm sure she'll get it uh, probably at Worlds, to be honest.
0: Yeah, she's also kind of in a very similar situation as Triple Tiff. Maybe even more severe in terms of the gap between her and the number twos and threes of the division. And it's not, yeah. Turbo Tiff has fantastic 47s, legendary 47s there. But um, it has happened. Amanda Lawrence and Daniela Mello in 2019 was a fantastic battle. Super close, right down to the very last deadlift. I would love to see another 84 emerge. It's going to be difficult. You got Listis in Ireland, but she's outgrown the 84s. And I, I don't see her cutting. Amelia, you want to say something there?
2: Yeah, well, I I mean, you know, again, not to be biased to to the British team here, but you did bring on three female Brits, so you know, you kind of got to expect that a little bit. um But we do have, you know, currently some really up and coming eighty fours. Uh, one still being a junior, which is Erlov, who recently at her most recent meet pulled. 260 kilos which is just two and a half kilos Mm -hmm. under what Amanda did at Sheffield so you know I think right now you know like you said she's kind of a standalone in her class but I don't think that's a forever thing and that's not to say you know Amanda watch your back or anything but I do think that you know she's not going to go uncontested forever and maybe that's going to be a good thing for her as well because you know sometimes when you are just there fighting yourself and pushing yourself. It can be hard to get that motivation or that momentum because you can't feel the breath of someone else behind you. So I think there are people within the next couple of years who will be pushing her for that title. Uh, and I don't think that's going to be a bad thing for her either. I was I going to say the uh,
1: exactly the same, same thing, thing, to be honest. Era love Isabella John. She's still a junior. She's still 22. She's pulling 260. We have Ziana um, Azariah as well. She's totaling about the same as Errolove right now. And if you want a preview of what's coming for the 84 kilo class, they're both competing at Euros in March. So it'd be well worth taking a look at what those two do because I know Ziana is uh, putting kilos on her lifts and there's no stopping Errolove. So we haven't quite got someone to challenge Amanda yet, but I think we're we're brewing a couple of lifters that might get there.
3: Oh yeah, I definitely. Hope. They're both looking so on form as well. So it's be it'd be good to see them competing at worlds.
0: Yeah, let's see. I mean, and progress can come quick, and people could come out of nowhere. Look at Agatha came out of nowhere at nineteen twenty, and ever since has been in all of the showdowns. She seems to be always in the mix. Um, yeah, ladies, Noemi Elber. Actually, Amelia, let's talk about Noemi Elber with yourself. Noemi Aliber struggled when six for nine at one point was the queen of the 52s. And now Evie Corrigan's come down And the, what was a battle in the first Sheffield is now becoming a bit of a spread. Um, what do we take away from, from Noemi Alibur, her performance and where, what do you think she's heading? Because she's obviously, she's still got a future in the 52s conceivably going to be on the podium at world and end up at world games and has a lot of good stuff to do but are we kind of nestling into the number two form until Evie makes a move to 57?
2: It's, it's really hard to say. Like you said, Evie is an incredible talent, but Naomi, you know, went six to nine. She lost a good amount of kilos in doing so. Um, I, I don't know if she would have been close to Evie, even if she did go that nine for nine. Um, but, you know, I think she probably felt that added pressure on top of that, knowing that, you know, she's chasing Evie going into that. And perhaps that was an influence for either her or her coaches on those third lifts, kind of trying to push a little bit more, which meant that, you know, she she lost those lifts um, as a result. She's still, you know, an incredible talent. And I don't see her, you know, slowing down her progress, but it's just a case of, you know, how far and fast can she push it whilst Evie's still in the weight class? And, really with Megan Lee Smith not so far behind either so you know it actually is becoming a again another really competitive weight class you know at least around that podium place um with Evie you know a few uh, steps ahead but I think you know she's going to have to put the work in and you know get her head strong going into worlds to kind of try and get that nine for nine day because Yes, she's chasing Evie, but she's also trying to stay firm away from Megan, who I think at Worlds
0: was only maybe 10 kilos apart from her. You're 100% right. Yeah, the other 52s actually, previously she had she had a bit of a gap, but Megan, phenomenal lifter. Alexandra from Serbia, phenomenal lifter. Plundekers. like, there's other 52s now on the rise and they're starting to gain form and they're capable. And for Noemi, we're right now... You know, we're we're in the midst of a phenom like Evie Corrigan. We already know, and everybody knows the writing's on the wall. Evie won't stay 57 forever. If Noemi can hold form, if she's dealing with any any injuries, you know, battle those injuries. And when Evie moves up, she's going to have some battles to come and be right up in the mix, but she might once again, find herself being the world champion. Once again, finding herself back at Sheffield and right back in the mix. Um, just hopefully, Evie doesn't extend that record so freaking far that <laughs> nobody's coming to reach. But I love to see battles, anyways. Who doesn't like a good head-to-head battle, ladies? No Amy. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, one
1: thing on No Amy. Uh, I know she was devastated by her performance, um, and the other eleven ladies all got personal bests, and No Amy didn't. She was she performed a little a lower, but the the total she did coming into Sheffield last year would have been miles on the world record it's not like she put in a really poor performance that was a world class performance it's just difficult to do not quite your best in a field where everyone else uh, is excelling so mm. i think she did she did leave a lot of kilos behind uh, she missed a squat she missed a bench she, she missed a deadlift but but don't count her out she's been around for a while she i think she sits more comfortably in the class than evie does and might have more longevity in it and 447 and a half for 52 is a good total. And she should be proud of that, doing that in the in a pressured environment when we all know you come to competitions sometimes and it's just not your best day. It's hard to to roll it out and do your best performance um on demand on a day where you're maybe not feeling it. I think she'll be back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's one of the greatest 52s yeah. of all time for sure. Multiple time world champion. She's a true 52 to your point. I don't think she's moving from there. Yeah. And very quickly, if Evie leaves, she's right up in the mix. Yeah. Um, catching Evie will be difficult, but Evie's not long for this class. And she would be the fa- She would be my favorite instantly. She will have battles. She will have battles, but it'll be interesting. So uh, let's see how it goes. Any other notes that you guys have before we close it up? We we've had some good discussion already, and we went through. So I think we hit all the major points. I think just you
2: know it's just obviously sparked real excitement going into Sheffield next year, but I think it's also sparked sparked a lot of excitement going into Worlds this year because it's given us a bit of a glimpse of, okay, you know, we've seen their fight this year and they've got a few more months to add to that and let's see those battles all over again.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to say, you know, initially when Sheffield was coming out, there was a conversation like, how will this go with Worlds? Will it take away from Worlds? And I think, honestly, now that we have two years' worth, it's, to me, an, a, massive, a massive compliment to each other. One yeah. feeds the other. Worlds literally you become a world champion to go to Sheffield. And after Sheffield, it reinforces amazing battles to be seen at Worlds for the conclusion. And literally, as soon as Worlds is over, can't wait to see Sheffield. Can't wait to see all these people who made it to Sheffield. And as soon as Sheffield's over, can't wait to see Worlds Every time because it's we have I gotta know who's gonna win between Chad and Nat. I gotta know what happens when Agatha goes back up and challenges Carlina for the world title. I gotta know what happens between Leah and Corolla because they're gonna be in the same way class this time in worlds. These two events complement each other so well. And we didn't know how it was gonna fold out, but it ended up being, you know, a, a great marriage. And uh and I think the placement of them they're they're not too close, not too far, and you can move a month or two either which way. But there's enough of a spread that a difference can be made in between them. So I don't know. Let's see. And I and think both... uh, uh,
1: sorry, Ryan. I think originally no, there's a little bit of criticism that, that it, if people just coast and they don't take the world records at Worlds, it kind of detracts from Worlds. But I don't think people can do that anymore. I don't think we have many classes where someone can come in and coast and just sit underneath the world record. Like, a couple of people have the last couple of years. But if you look at how stacked the classes are going in now, you're not going to be able to hold back anything in order to win. So there aren't Mm -hmm. many classes at all. Amanda Lawrence maybe can still coast a little bit to go in. But every other class, we have real head-to-head battles. So I don't think anyone's going to be able to... um, Hold back from breaking the world record, to save it to, for for Sheffield because they're going to need it to win. One hundred percent. I think definitely.
0: it's a, it's a. I think uh, yeah, like tell Gustav Headland to coast. You just <laughs> aren't going to win. Like you know, <laughs> this is the case. Tell Jad Jacob or Natalie Richards, I'm just going to skate through worlds, and no, you're not. You, you, someone's going to eat your food. It, it it just comes down to how competitive the classes are, and the classes will continue to get more competitive, not the other direction. So yeah, I don't think, I think that was something we were hesitant about, but it, it's ended up, look at Malta Worlds was fantastic. Yeah, It's one of the best yeah. worlds I've I, ever viewed. And that was a Sheffield year. So if we were worried about it, don't worry, because Malta Worlds might have been the best one I've been to.
3: Yeah. yeah. I think it actually makes Worlds like a bit more spicy because we've even got new people coming in at Worlds as well. Um, obviously, they've got a lot more like battles on their hands because people can just as we know just come out of nowhere there'll be underdogs as well so it'll i think it would it just makes it even more interesting um having now sheffield and then worlds afterwards um and as we say we don't know if people are going to stay in their weight classes or go up or go down so it's yeah it's going to be really good i'm really looking forward to it
0: ladies in a little bit today i'm going to have on i get the shit go I got Gustav Hedlund lined up, Delaney Wallace. We're bringing everybody on. Super duper excited for that. But let me just say, I am happy you guys were involved in Sheffield in all three of your different roles. And I'm um, super appreciative when you guys do these podcasts with me. You guys are multiple time Kingdom Live Podcast hosts. And I would be super grateful when you guys come back on again. if We do preview shows, recap shows, discussions. You guys are Definitely an A-team, and I'm grateful to have each one of you guys in my life. And I mean that. And I'm happy to see you guys at these events. So thank you for giving... Oh, look at that. I didn't even know that happened. What the <laughs> I heck? How you know did you do that? Do that. I I... What? Is that a thing? It only works for you? How did you do that?
3: I have no idea how that happened. By the way, did I, the I drop acid like did not know, know it?
0: <laughs> for people who are only listening, you did a heart and a bunch of... What happened again right now. What the magic of love? I feel the love right now. Um, <laughs> holy smokes! But uh, but yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Um, super appreciative. And if you guys have ideas for podcasts in the future, we got a group chat going. Hop in there. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about that? Hey, this is happening in powerlifting right now. Let's have let's have a good old fashioned discussion on it. I like that we have different views on things, so people hear different sides of it. That is perfect uh and you guys nobody knows the sport like you guys know the sport and you guys are knee deep in it in terms of commentating interviews running the beats competing coaching the whole nine writing open powerlifting. i mean this is this is an all-star cast and i'm super duper appreciative and i'm all up in my feelings right now But, (laughs) but anyways um i just wanted to get that out there and uh for everybody listening Thank you. Please do give us high ratings. Post up in the comments, and if you guys want to get into the debates on who who did what or whatever, I'll I'll reply back, and we could do have a good old fashioned sports debate. And until next time, six pack lap six up,
3: and we are.